Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you guys are taking notes, um, I'm titling it, Looking at Jesus. And so um, we'll start at verses uh, 1 and we'll end at verse 2. But before we get started, anybody into fitness or anything like that? Like fitness, exercise, lifting weights, anything like that? Okay. A few guys, the rest of you guys are all out of shape just like me. It's all right. Um, so if, if any of you, for those of you who lift weights and exercise, you know, we, we all do it. We, we know, we know we do, why we do it, right? We do it because we want to stay in shape. Um, for those of you who lift weights, sometimes you want to get a little bigger, um, you know, stuff like that. So you're staying in shape. Um, and as you lift weights, one of the things you realize, um, you know, you, you, you first, the first thing you do, right, you start off with, you know, some weights on the side and, you, you know, you do your reps and whatnot. And then as you, as you get used to doing that amount of weight, you slowly increase, right? And so you slowly increase because the weight that you were lifting isn't, you know, you can handle it. It's a lot easier. So you want to continue to increase so that you can get stronger um, and build more muscle, stay in shape. Um, we do it because it's healthy for us keeps us in shape. It gets us stronger. Um, but there's also times when we try to lift weights, right? And we try to lift too much that we can handle, right? And so what happens is there's a couple of things that can happen. You can get a hernia. You can, get, you can pull a muscle, pull, you know, you throw your back out, something like that. So, so we realize that there's, there's times where, where we try to overdo it, right? Because maybe we're trying to impress some girl, right? You guys ever do that before in the gym? Maybe? Yes? No? Okay. No? Okay. That's cool. Nobody impresses anybody? Um, so sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll lift weights um, to, get, to get bigger and whatnot. And when we do too much, it's damaging. Um, it could be damaging to, um, to your body. And so, but essentially, it's the idea that surrounds it. It's so that we can grow, right? So that our body is to grow. And it's kind of the same thing when you think about it with infants. Um, as a child is born, the child the only thing it, 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 he or she eats is milk, right? Drinks the milk, and eventually from that, you go to the Gerber baby food, right? It's all mushy, and some of it's really nasty. And then you move from that to more solid food. And it's because we want them to grow. We want them to, you know, get bigger, stronger. You know, it has more nutrients for them. And so it's that whole idea of growing. And so that's, what, that's, the, mess, that's the idea that I really want you guys to sink in right now, because... As we enter into Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to realize that there are weights in our life that can hurt us. There are weights in our lives that drag us down. It's almost like you have a spiritual backpack, right? In the spiritual backpack, we're putting in things that don't belong, and we're carrying this weight, whether it's just a weight that we just shouldn't be carrying or just a weight of maybe because you're, you know, you're in sin or whatever that might be. But you and I are made to go through a spiritual strengthening. God is constantly strengthening us through trials that we might grow in him and so others might be impacted by our faith in Jesus, okay? So, but we're not made to go through the things, the unnecessary weights. And those things look a lot like, okay, well, maybe, maybe those unnecessary weights have to do with the things you watch. Because the things you watch, sometimes what? They stay in your mind, right? The things you listen to. That stays in your mind as well. How you react to certain people. How maybe maybe you're maybe a friend. The way you, the way you you talk to them um, becomes toxic, right? And so it becomes more damaging. So you damage the relationship and you damage your reputation 
all all together, right? So there's there's weights that that um, that can destroy you, whether it's the whether whether it's those weights or the weights of sin, right? Um, there are problems sometimes that we resort to. There are problems in our lives that sometimes we resort to things like drugs, alcohol, and things like that, right? And then there's things like um, like sometimes, I don't know if you guys used to do this, but there used to, you know, I remember there used to be a group of kids that would resort to, to video games and stuff like that just to kind of drown out, the, drown out the, the, all the problems that they had going through. And so what I want to encourage you guys in this is saying that there is a spiritual battle that's taking place, okay? There's a spiritual battle, and what we're going to talk about is how in that spiritual battle, when you look to Jesus... It's where your growth is going to take, this is where growth is going to take place. Matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, it says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So we know that there's a battle that takes place. Okay? Paul understands that. Matter of fact, in Romans 7, verses 19, it says, For the good, I, for the good that I will to do, I don't do. But the, but the evil that I will not to do, I practice. So there's this, there's this war, there's this battle, there's conflict that takes place. And what we're going to look at in verses 1 and 2 is how to combat that. But before we get into the book of Hebrews, I want to say one more thing about the book of Hebrews. We don't necessarily know who it was written by. Some speculate it's by Paul. But to just, just, for the, just to kind of get some understanding of what the book of Hebrews is about, I'm just going to share with you guys um, the, pur- the purpose of the book of Hebrews was to reassure the Jewish Christians that their faith in, the G- in Jesus as a Messiah, excuse me, that the Christians that their faith in Jesus as a Messiah was secure and true. It was also to prepare them for the disaster which was to come from the Romans, which was to do away with the sacrifice, that the whole temple and its sacrifices, because the way you used to um, atone for their sin was they would sacrifice animals and stuff like that. And so what was coming is the Romans are, are going to abolish that. And so Hebrews explains why we no longer need the sacrifices, because we have direct access to God through Christ. Okay? And the first half of Hebrews deals with doctrinal issues, and the second half deals with, the, deals with practical living. The writer of Hebrews is concerned with the growth of the believers and exhorts them to grow. He tells them that by now they should have been teachers, but they are like children needing the milk of the word. And so that's what I want to hit home today. We're going to, we're going to talk about growing, looking to Jesus and what that looks like. And how you can grow. So starting at verse 1 of chapter 12, we're going to read. And forgive me because I'm reading an ESV version, so it might look sound a little different, but still the same. So verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so first thing it starts off with, for those of you guys, uh, whenever you read the Bible, we all know that, um, if you don't know this, whenever the word therefore is in there, you have to ask yourself, why is it therefore, right? So we look back. So we're going to look back at chapter 11 
which for those of you who know what chapter 11 is about, chapter 11 is a lot about the hall of faith is what it's known for. Um, it was by faith, um, so if you look at like verse 17, by faith Abraham, when, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of the offering uh, in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, "Through Isaac shall your offspring be named." And so, as you re- read this, you're going to see it was by faith. So and so did it by faith. This is so. There's this continual right. So, as we look at that, now skipping ahead towards the end of chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. It says, this is what it reads. It says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Okay? So God had a plan that he would save us all through, not through the atonement of the animal sacrifices, through the, you know, all those things that were going on, but through the atonement of his son, Jesus Christ. All right? Um. Excuse me. So God had a plan to save us all through Jesus and only Jesus. And so when he says, therefore, we also, what he's saying is my life, your life needs to be a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because people need Christ. People are watching. People are watching how you and I live on a daily basis and how we how we handle things as believers. Right. Um, We go. I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with conflict. I'm sure you guys have at school when you're having somebody who's, you know, constantly messing with you or maybe, you know, there's always, you know, throwing shade or something, just always saying something to you. And how you respond to that person, people are watching. So when you talk, a big talk, you know, and you start, next thing you know, you start using some foul language and you start, you know, cursing this person out and this and that. They, people watch that and they go, oh, is that what a believer looks like? Is that, what, is that what Christianity is about? And so it's important that we realize that because in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people are watching. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So we're being watched. So, look at, so when we look at the life of Moses, right? You guys all remember Moses. He got put in a basket, right? Down the river, that his life might be saved. You guys all watch, what was it, uh, the Prince of Egypt? Yeah, Prince of Egypt. You guys all know the story, right? Goes down, gets, you know, he lives, becomes a prince of Egypt, lives a, life, lives a life of luxury, right? And then all of a sudden, God has this encounter with the Lord. God calls him to stand against everything he was ever taught in Egypt, Frees the Jews, performs miracles, parts the Red Seas, Red Sea, excuse me, manna rains from heaven, water comes out through a rock, all because of faith in God. Moses was obedient to God's calling in his life. Now, granted, when you read the book, you realize that Moses is also pretty resistant because of his speech, right? But nevertheless, he was obedient. God, every time, showed up faithfully. And so God calls him to stand against everything that he, used to, um, that he used to stand for. So since we are also letting our lives be a testimony of our faith in God, along with many others, past, present, and future, we look at, because of that, we look at what it says in Hebrews 1, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, let us lay aside 
every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run the race of endurance, the race that is set before us. Excuse me, run the race with endurance. Um, as I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, sin destroys, right? Sin will destroy you. There's no peace when you're, when you're involved in sin and stuff like that. So what do we do? We lay it aside. A lot easier said than done, for sure. So we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more practical things in a little bit. But kind of like I was talking about, it's like you have this spiritual backpack, right? You have this spiritual backpack, and either you're putting on Christ or you're putting on things that don't belong in that backpack. You know, maybe, maybe, that, maybe it looks a lot like anger, right? You pick up that big rock of anger and you just put it in your backpack and you carry that with you. So you got a chip on your shoulder all the time. Maybe, maybe it looks a lot like, you know, and some, you know what's kind of funny? Sometimes our freedoms in Christ, what we say, um, also contribute as weights. Because it's not always what can I do and get away with and be okay, but it's the question you really should be asking yourself is what can I do that's going to draw me closer to Christ and, and bring others closer to Christ? Like we talked about earlier, maybe it's something about what you listen to, the music. Maybe it's a person that you hang out with that they don't build you up. Matter of fact, they probably tear you down. And so you're putting these things and you're, you have this weight. That's why when you read this, it doesn't just say that sin is the weight. It says there's a weight and sin. I'll read it again really quick. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. There are weights in our lives that don't belong. And so we need to be aware of those things. There are things in our lives that need to be eradicated because rather than it improving our walk with Christ, it pulls us away from God. And so whether it's things like the weight of drugs, envy, anger, lust, whatever it is, right? Pride. Or maybe it's those things that you claim to be your freedoms, or maybe it's the fact that all you can do is watch things on your phone, right? These, these phones, man, I'll tell you right now, these things will take up so much of your time. You gotta ask yourself, I bet you, how many of you guys, when you look at your screen time, are you guys like, oh my gosh, I was on my phone for that much? I was on Instagram for that long or whatnot? Like, I, I remember when I looked at, when they first came out with screen time, I, I looked at it and I was like, damn, I got, I, dang, I got a problem. I got a problem. I'm looking at the, I'm on my phone all the time. Now, granted, I use it at work a lot, but nevertheless, it's like, dang. And so you got to ask yourself, are there things in your life that keep you from looking to Jesus? Okay? And let me paint a picture for you of what that looks like when you, when you have things in your life and what, what is really being asked of you, right? Because there's, there, what he's saying here is um, to lay aside every weight, right? And to run this race looking at Jesus. That's what's being asked. That's what's being said. So let me paint a picture. For those of you guys who don't know, I have three kids, uh, Levi, Gideon, and Jaden. And um, four-year-old and the other are twins and they're two. Um, Whenever, you know, they, whenever, whenever they're at home doing their own thing, for those of you who don't know, Carlos knows this and some of you who have been over my house, like, it's like a dance party at my house. My kids love music, and so it's like, it's like they put on, like, all, like, like, this crazy music, and all you see them doing is dancing, screaming, yelling, like, they're having a ball, they're having a blast, they're doing their thing, like, it's super funny to watch. It's like a rave at my house with these kids. 
And Levi's pretty active. All the kids are active. They'll be playing with the toys, doing their thing. But as soon as dad comes walking through the door from work, the first thing they do is they stop what they're doing. They look at me, and they, they come running and say, Daddy, right? And it's really cool. But they stop what they're doing, whatever they were doing, to come and say hi to dad. That's, what we're, that's the picture that's to be painted. There are things in your life that God is, and, and the disciples did this, right? You guys remember? Hey, you guys, I know you guys are looking for fish. Yeah, cast it on their side, but look it. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. It's a call to follow Christ, okay? And so this is what God is asking of you and me. Lay aside sin and every weight and run this race of life. Run this race. God's called you to this race. You get up. When you fall, you get up, right? You keep going. How do you do this? You, look, you do it by looking to Jesus. You have to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Um, this, is, this is the kind of laying aside that Jesus called the disciples to, to stop what you're doing and follow me. That's So Matthew 11 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so it looks a lot like you going to Christ, you going to the Lord, and realizing that those weights in your backpack that you're carrying, that spiritual backpack, God is saying, hey, put that thing down, man. You come follow me. Sure, you're going to go through things. Sure, sure, there's going to be trials. There's gonna be, that's, that's, that's a given. You're going to go through things. But nonetheless, go th- go th- I'll go through it with you. That's a promise. So I I don't think I've ever, well, maybe I have shared this with you guys. 2018, beginning of the year, I only had Levi at the time. And so it was Jamie, myself, and Levi. And my my routine looked a lot like in the morning at the time, I'd go take Levi to daycare. And um, then I'd go to work really early in the morning. And so one morning, I'm getting ready, and I have to get Levi ready and get myself ready, this whole thing. And... For those of you who know me, I usually have a lot of stomach problems. And so my stomach was really acting up, and I was like, man, this is bothering me a lot. So I was trying to figure out, like, all right, what the heck's going on? So I go get Levi ready. We're heading out the door, get in my car, go to the daycare, getting ready to drop him off. And my stomach, I'm just, like, squirmish by this point. And at this point, I've had, my, I've had gallstones, right? And so gallstones are pretty bad when they have, especially, so I had my gallbladder removed. So I kind of knew what that felt like, and I was like, man, I know what that kind of feels similar, but I don't have a gallbladder, so it can't be the same thing, so it doesn't make sense, but the pain is that excruciating, and so I was like, all right, this is getting pretty bad, so I was like, I'll wait it out just a little bit, drop Levi off, as soon as I, so I'm in there, and the, the lady, she's a really nice lady, talking to me, talking to me, and at this point, I'm like, I'm in so much pain, I need to get out the door, like, and I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right bye, I gotta go, and so like, I'm like, getting out the door, and I feel bad for excusing myself, and I get out the door, and I'm literally at this point hunched over trying to get to my car. And I get to my car, and I'm in so, so, so much pain. I was like, 
I got to go to the ER. There's no, there's no way. It feels like something's going to explode inside my chest. Go to the ER. I get there, and on my way to the ER, I called Jamie and said, hey, just so you know, go to the ER. Like, something doesn't feel right. I've, this is a lot of pain. I've never had this much pain before. And so I go to the ER, and I was one of those crazy patients. Like, I'm not usually like this. I'm not a loud person. I'm not a, like, I'm not the kind of guy that, like, to be obnoxious or, like, you know, unless they're, like, really close with me, I'll do it in the privacy of my own home and, like, stuff like that. But, like, I'm not usually like that, especially in public. I'm very quiet. I went in there, and I was, like, practically screaming. That's how much pain it was. And I'm in there, like, asking for help. Like, hey, you guys, like, something's wrong. Something's going to, I don't know what, what's going on. The pain is so excruciating. Somebody needs to look at me right away. So they pull me out the back taking all my vitals, and at this point, I can't sit down. It was almost like, I don't even know how to explain the pain to you guys, but it felt like something was going to explode. Finally, they take me to the room. Um, they gave me some pills, that, some medicine, I should say, that, um, that helped with what was going on in my stomach, and I had to do a follow-up. In the midst of that, before I got the pills, I, it was so bad. So I, I eventually said my, I told Jamie, I called her up and said, hey, just in case, like, I don't know what's going on. Just in case I'm going to say my goodbyes. Just in case, because I was a little worried. And so I said, you know, said my thing. And eventually, you know, through the grace of God, I made it out. And I went home. And they gave me these pills. And they said, you need to take these pills. Keep them with you. Um, when it, because it can probably happen again. And so I was like, okay. So for the next week or two, my mind was stuck on my problem. I was so caught up with anxiety. I had so much anxiety. I was stressed out. I was like, oh my gosh, what? Like, if this is gonna happen again, like, there's no way I can ever handle that again. And so I was so caught up with, the, what was physically wrong with me that I became so anxious, my nervous system was starting to misfire. And you guys ever like get so like stressed out that like you get twitches here and there, like and all of a sudden my eyes like doing this thing. And I'm like ah stop right, and so like my stomach was in knots, and it was as if and really what happened is I gave the enemy a seat at my table, and the enemy just sowed thoughts of deceit, doubt, fear, loneliness into my mind that I couldn't snap out of it. I mean, the enemy had me right where he wanted me. And I get this accidental phone call. For those of you, you guys, I'm sure you've heard of Molly, who Molly is. Um, Steve's wife who passed away from cancer. Um, Steve's one of my good friends. And Molly called me. And it was accidental. She meant to call another mic. But it was, so anyways, we've never really talked on the phone. So I thought, this is weird. Like, so I said, hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. And at the time, you know, she was still going through cancer treatments and stuff like that, all chemotherapy and all that. And so I'm saying, you know, she starts opening up to me, and I was like, I'm going to open up to her too. So it was, I just felt like it was one of those things like God had ordained it, right? God, God allowed this conversation to take place, and I just shared with her, this is what just happened to me last week, and this is where I'm at. And sure enough, God used this woman to speak right into my life. And I remember exactly what she told me. She goes, um, I, she quoted me Isaiah 26, verse 3. And she says, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I'm going to read that one more time. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
it was as if God just opened my eyes that day. And I was like blown away. I was like, I can't get past this because I'm so fixated on the issue and I'm making so much, I'm making my problem big without realizing that the God I serve is so much bigger. Like I serve a God that is, so, this is nothing for him. And I made much of my problems rather than making much of him, the Lord. And so what this is telling you in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it's saying, if you want peace in your life, you need to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Look to Jesus. Matthew, and we all know, we've all heard this, I'm sure most of us heard this story before. It's Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. I'll read it really quick for you guys. It says, Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out out of fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked onto the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his arm, his hand, and caught him. And he said, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, then those who were in the boat, came and worshiped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Isn't it interesting how when Peter, these guys are afraid, he comes out, he walks on the water, God, you know, Jesus calls him to him, walks on the water, and as soon as he takes his eyes off of the Lord, puts his eyes on what? The storm, right? Puts his eyes on the storm, and all of a sudden he sinks. And that's exactly what happened to me. My eyes were so fixated on the storm that I started to sink, not realizing that there's a Savior that can pull me right out of that. And so don't, So, anyways, I want to say that also to, to encourage you guys to remember that, that when you look to the Lord, when you're going through things, Jesus wants to be there for you. Jesus wants to go through that trial with you and, and help you work through that. You see, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, he gives us the ability to walk above the storm rather than sink into it. Um, the, we know that God never promises an easy life. Matter of fact, he says that this life's going to be hard, but he promises his presence through it all. Um, the difference between keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus and fixing your eyes on your trials is God's peace and stability through the storm. I'm going to say that one more time. The difference between God's, excuse me, the difference between keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus and fixing your eyes on the storm on the trials is God's peace and stability through the storm. It's going back to Isaiah, right? It's saying whose mind is fixed on you, stayed on you, keeps them in per perfect peace. So when Molly called when Molly and I had that conversation, it was like she was calling me out in a, in a very loving, kind way. Um, and she was very matter-of-fact with me, with me about it, and she said, you know, you know, you just need to keep your eyes fixed on God, and, you know, yeah, you're going to go through this, but you need to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. And it's interesting that as you read that chapter in Isaiah, later on in the chapter, it says, my son, 
do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For the Lord loves, <coughs> for, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, excuse me, he scourges every son whom he receives. And so we look at this and we go, when we're in the midst of our trials, there's going to be times where someone's going to come alongside you, right? Maybe you're in the Word. Maybe you're reading your Bible, and God's telling you, hey, it's going to be all right. Like, I got you. But you're saying, but I don't feel all right. Yeah, but it's going to be all right. I got you. I'm here with you. There's times where we're in, where our trials aren't really trials. Matter of fact, the reasons we're in trials is because we're, we actually have a sin issue, right? It's because we're angry about something. We're upset. We're bitter. And so rather than giving them to God, we're harboring those inside, right? We have that backpack again. And it's weighing us down. And God's saying, those, he say, and this is where this comes in, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. He's going to chase you. And a lot of times that looks like correction. And a lot of times that looks like discipline, right? Um, so looking at verse 2, it says, um, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's a couple of examples I wanted to give you guys. In Luke chapter 5, Verses 12, you guys remember the leper? The leper that was looking to get healed? You know, for those of you guys who don't know, a leper has these, like, boils all over the skin, and when you're a leper, you're kind of isolated. And so this leper, when you read through it, you realize that this leper is really desperate. The state of the leper is desperation. And Jesus exhorts him to, to be clean of his sin, and then he heals him. And then Jesus heals the paralytic in Luke 5.17, which when you look at that as well, the paralytic went through leaps and bounds. Well, not him, his friends did, right? To get him healed, right? And he deals what? With his sin first, and then he heals him. When you look at Jesus, uh, at the woman who had the blood issue in Luke 8.40, the woman was in a state of desperation. Again, Jesus tells the woman to go in peace, which is really, when you look at that word, it's a peace between God and her. It's an assurance of salvation is what that is, that peace that it's talking about. When you look at the, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, God deals with the Pharisees. You, the, who, the person that doesn't have sin casts the first stone. None of them, they all left. None of them threw a stone, but he looks at the woman who was caught in adultery and says, where's your accusers? You have none? Okay, therefore, you know, go and sin no more. And so in all of these, as you read through the Gospels, you notice that there is, you notice the heart of Christ, right? The heart of Christ is to see through eyes of compassion and to see you where you're at, to meet you at where you are, whether that be in a physical sense or maybe it's your you know, whether you want to call it mental health or whether you want to call it you know, your spiritual health, 
He meets you where you're at and offers his son so that you might grow. There's always a growing factor. Okay? So when you look at these, you have to ask yourself, or you have to, excuse me, when you look at these, you have to realize that though there is a physical, there are physical need, there's also a spiritual need. Okay? And the spiritual need always needs to get addressed. And in this case, it's, it's a, the spiritual need of eradicating the sin in their life. Um, so listen, God loves us, right? He went through so much. It says that the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. In, a book, in the book of Ephesians, you start to realize, if you guys read the book of Ephesians, it talks about our, it, a lot of it, we realize our inheritance that we are, yeah, our wealth in Christ, excuse me. And you notice one of the things it says in Ephesians is that you and I, as believers, are considered God's inheritance. He looks at you and he goes, that's my son. I can't wait to be with him forever. There's a joy. That's the joy that he's talking about. The joy of having us. See, God saw the chasm between man and himself and said that there, he said, and saw, he saw the chasm between us and said, there's a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of trials to be able to mend that relationship. And what I mean by that is the pain and the trials of, of what Christ had to endure as he went to the cross. And he goes through all that, but the end goal was worth it. So the end goal is what? You and I. So the, the message, when you read this, is saying, yeah, you and I are worth it. So when you feel like I don't amount to anything, God looks at you and goes, no, you're everything to me. You mean absolutely everything to me. When you bear the mark of Christ in your life, that seal, you have entered a family that God has said, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my child, and you are worth it. And so when we look at the joy, when it says the joy that was set before him, there's so much to, to, to realize that really it's God saying, man, I'll do anything for you. Man, I, I went to the, to the furthest lengths as far as possible. I, my son was sacrificed in order to mend that relationship between you and I. And so as we look at that, I want to share some practical ways of how you and I can look to Jesus. Because some of this is going to be important, or actually all of this is going to be important, so excuse me. Practical ways. Reading your word. Reading your word. Um, let me tell you why this is important, because this should be the ultimate authority in your life. Okay. If you're a believer today, this is, this is where you get it. Let me give you a quick example. If I were to tell you that I was, you know, I was hanging out with some guy, he wasn't a friend, or he wasn't a, he wasn't a Christian, right? And, you know, I was, I was sitting there thinking, man, should I share God, the gospel with this guy? Should I share, should I share Jesus with this guy? I'm sitting, you know, you know God, just, just tell me, you know, God, I'm going to wait for you to tell me if I should do this or not. And I'm sitting there waiting for you to tell me. And, and then, I, you know, time goes on, and I'm waiting for a sign from God, so to speak. Let me tell you why that's wrong. 
It's wrong because the Bible already tells us in Mark chapter 16, 15, it says that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's not, no, God's not asking, God's not asking for you to, hey, wait for me to tell you when to preach. I already told you to preach, now go do it. And so it's not the emotion of how I feel to make that decision. It's the fact that the Bible says it. And that's where we get our source of information on how to live for Christ. Okay? So it's important that we read his word. It's really important. Let me give you a second thing that's really important. As we go, as we're looking to Jesus, because you need to realize there are some of us who've done life a little bit longer than you. And we unfortunately have made bad decisions before. And we know what some of those consequences look like. And so it's healthy to get good counsel. Okay? Proverbs 15, verses 22, verse 22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 11, 14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in abundance, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. It's important that the people that you go to for advice, the community of people that you go to for advice, are God-fearing people, people who love the Lord and love you. I was asked not too long ago about what's your best advice on a relationship? Like, what's your, what would you give? And, you know, there's so much relationship advice, right, you can give. Um, I've been married as of, it'll be 10 years this, this year in December, and the best relationship advice I can give you, honestly, because I feel like most of you know what's wrong, right? I'm not going to treat you like little kids. You're not my five-year-old or my four-year-old that I need to say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. I think you guys know well enough. You guys, a lot of you go to public school, a lot of you guys know what's good and what's wrong. The best advice I, could, I feel like I might be able to give you is that the people who are God-fearing people who love you, who look and search the scriptures on a daily basis, are the people that you let speak into your life. Because why? Because the people that are there for you, the people who love you, who seek the Lord, who care for you, they're not just trying to be there and go like, oh, let's talk about everything you did wrong here. Let's just, you know, this, 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 and that. No, it's because they've been there. It's because they love you. For those of you guys who've ever been in a relationship, Sometimes, actually practically all the times, when you're in a relationship, you see like this. You're, you got tunnel vision. You don't understand what's going on. The people who love you, who are closest to you, who, have, who, who are God-fearing people, who love the Lord, they see things that you will not see. I'll give you an example. When I was in a my first relationship that I was in, I had a friend who was much older than I was, love the Lord, really good guy. I, to this day, I love this guy. And I was in this relationship, and one of the things he told me is like, yeah, that's a toxic one. Get out of it. It's not good. It's not a good relationship. And I didn't listen to him at all. 
I did my own thing because I wanted my independence. I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I knew what I wanted to do because of what I thought was right. Not realizing that this is how I saw life because I was so, you know, when you like someone, you get infatuated with them, right? You're just like this. Not realizing that the person who actually loves me, who's known me longer, who cares for me, who is a God-fearing, God-loving person, wants me to succeed in life and doesn't want to see me get hurt. And so what happened? I rejected his counsel, and I messed it up. And I ended up being a toxic relationship. So it's important that you guys, as you're looking to Christ, you're going to have questions. You're going to have things that are going to come up that you're not going to understand. There's people, who, there's leaders in this room who have, you know, who, who dedicate their life and, you know, they read their Bible on a daily basis and they remember, they have scripture committed to memory. And when you have questions, they can tell you, hey, this is what the Bible says. And they can help you weed through the, some of those things that you're having a hard time with. Not because they want to lord over you. Not because they want to shame you. Not because they, no, but because they love you. Because they genuinely love you. This also applies in issues where you're struggling in sin. Right? We've all been there. All of us have been there. Where we have a problem and we don't want to get help. We don't want to talk to the person because we're too afraid. Let me, let me just say it like this. The leaders in this room, they love you with the same, they see you through the lens of Christ. They look at you and they realize Christ met them at one point in their life and their wretchedness, right? At one point, I was... Not a good person. I had some issues. I had a lot of issues. And at one point, God was gracious enough to meet me where I was at. Therefore, because God met me like that, when someone comes to me with a problem, the last thing I'm going to do is go, oh, how could you? No. Dude, I've been there. I struggle too. I've been through life. I've Man... I, go th- I mean, Carlos has seen, he's at my house a lot, so I say him, but he, he sees, like, there's times where we go through things, and it's like, yeah, I'm having a hard time with this and that. Sometimes it's with my kids. Sometimes it's with my wife. Sometimes it's this and that. Like, there's issues, but we get through them together. Why? Because there's, in, like Proverbs says, you guys need to read the book of Proverbs. It has a lot of wisdom in there that would really apply to you, to the decisions you make, especially because I fear that a lot of times when we speak, we, we, we talk faster than we can think is what happens. Right? How many of you guys get caught up in that? You talk faster than you can think. And really, there's a lot of good wisdom in the book of Proverbs that's going to help you be able um, to make good decisions. Because where there's, like it says, where there is no, no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So you have people in this room, leaders who love you, who care for you, who have been in in certain predicaments that you have been in. Let me give you an example. There's people that have come up to me that have had parents that have gone through divorce. Why have they come up to me? Because they know that my parents have been divorced and the, the issues that that brought up, that, that that came with. 
and how I had to deal with it and how, how I had to battle that. One with myself and realizing that this isn't my battle, but this is the battle belongs to the Lord. But being able to not let my mind go into certain places, being able to react in the right way, in a way that's, in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. So there's, there's guys and girls, leaders here, that love you, genuinely love you. And I would encourage you that when you're going through things, whether it be issues at home, sin, whatever it is, you need to know this, that they love you and they care for you. They want to see you succeed. They want to see you looking to Christ when you're making decisions. 